Welcome back to Inside Personal Growth. This is Greg Boyce, and host of Inside Personal Growth. And I want to thank all my listeners from around the world who've been listening to this podcast program. Uh, Jonah and David now for over 10 years with 620 plus author interviews with interesting authors like the two of you. And today from Minneapolis joining us is David Stillman and Jonah Stillman, his son, uh, who've recently written a book called Gen Z at Work, How the Next Generation is Transforming the Workplace. Good day to you both. How are you doing? Good. Thank you for having us on. Good. Well, we appreciate you taking the time uh, to be on with us and to speak a little bit about your book and this emerging generation, which has got 72 plus million people in it. Um, But I'm going to let the listeners know a little bit about both of you. Let's start with David. David is a father. He's a Gen Xer. He's the co-author of best-selling book, When Generations Collide and the M Factor. Um, how the millennial he's also generation is rocking the workplace he's contributed to time the washington post the new york times usa today he's been featured as a generational expert on cnn cnbc and the today show uh he's been named as one of the 200 to watch by business journal jonah his son who's 17 year old high school senior and is currently the youngest speaker on the circuit He's a nationally ranked alpine snowboarder and has served as the ambassador for the international nonprofit We, traveling to Kenya and Ecuador to build schools. Jonah is excited to be the voice of his generation and offer companies and organizations a heads up about this next generation. Well, pleasure having both of you on Inside Personal Growth, as I said before. And let's just start this off because many of the listeners out there aren't going to really have identified. Uh, with this Gen Z versus millennial and boomers and Xers. Uh, And David, you're kind of the expert on all this. So in your own words, can you define Gen Z as it pertains to any of these earlier generations that have been discussed about so much and Gen Z, not so much? Um, Well, yes. I mean, first of all, one way we differentiate between them is the fact that they're born from 1995 to 2012. They're uh-huh. 72.8 million strong, um, but they're very different than the millennials uh, born, you know, 1980 to 1994, uh, because they had completely different events and conditions that shaped them. So when we often think of the millennial generation, we think of them growing up during prosperous times. Things were exciting, economic expansion. We saw the big tech boom. Uh, they also had baby boomer parents telling them they could be anything they wanted to be and do anything they wanted to do. So we ended up with a workforce that had a lot of self-esteem and you know, that really came into the workplace believing that anything was possible. Would you mm-hmm. compare that to Gen Z? Gen Z has been the generation during their formative years. They had the Great Recession. So their conversations were much more about staying afloat, about businesses struggling, leaders losing jobs. They also had parents, you know, that was less about all the self-esteem movement. Gen X parents really taught their Gen Z kids that there's winners, there's losers, and it's a tough world out there. So they're walking into the world of work looking through a definitely different lens. And the risk that we run is that we don't get to understand these differences and therefore just assume that all Gen Zers are like millennials. Mm, mm, Definitely. Now, Jonah, uh, what were the advantages or disadvantages that you saw of the generational gap between 
the Xers and the Zers in writing this book with your dad, what insights did did you really bring to this project to kind of help your dad evolve and make this book as as good a book as it is? Right. Yeah. So, I mean, writing a book with my dad was definitely an adventure and it took us some time to figure out how we worked best. Cause you know, especially as a father son duo and even more so with the generational gap, as you mentioned, we work differently. You know, my dad really liked to sit down and, you know, grind out a whole chapter in a couple hours and not with any breaks. And I kind of worked a little bit differently. You know, I would sit down, work for 20 minutes, maybe check my phone, take a little break, then get back on it. And we had to realize that, you know, neither one of our working strategies were better or worse. They were just different. And if you can imagine there's differences on such a small scale between a father and son, you can only imagine the size, the magnitude of the gaps are going to show up when an entire generation of Gen Zers show up in the workplace and how much different people are going to think we are. Definitely. And, you know, obviously smaller, shorter bursts of time versus your dad doing two hours, um, people being more uh, affixed to the phone versus your dad's generation. Now, David, early in the book, you talk about how the youth nonprofit we got you thinking about Gen Z. Can you tell us a little bit more about how Jonah got involved and the project came to fruition? Um, absolutely. So uh, what had happened in the project, we, you know, we were raising a lot of uh, money and attention from corporate sponsors and I'd go meet with them and they'd refer to these high school kids and or young college students as millennials. Well, these millennials want this and millennials want that. And it dawned on me that everyone just assumed that they were millennials, yet I knew from our data that we had uh, conducted, they were nothing like millennials. So it really said, wow, there's a important dialogue that leaders and organizations are not having. And having, you know, when my generation, Gen X, showed up, everyone tried to treat us like the boomers back in the 90s, and I know how that panned out. And so I saw... People weren't having a conversation, a potential gap on the future. And it was Jonah who really came to me and said, you know, Dad, I've been watching you talk about the generations for close to 20 years now. This is my generation. Maybe I could help be the voice of my generation like you've been able to do, and we could do it together. And we really found a unique balance of where Jonah explains who Gen Z is and how they got that way. And my role is to then talk about how does it play out and what does it mean for the rest of us. Yeah. And it's turned out to be a great, uh, obviously, partnership as a father and son, but partnership as writers as well. The book is well-written, an opportunity for people to learn a lot. Now, Jonah, there tends to be this mixed opinions about millennial ethic with the Gen Z only a few short years ahead. They seem to be getting an, an entirely different rap. So what are some of the biggest constraints in these two, or contrasts, I should say, in these two generations that you see? Right. Yeah. I mean, as you said, when we were, we just finished, we're finishing up, I should say, our national media tour for the book. And across the board, a lot of people, we hear that there's millennial fatigue. The millennial generation is the most talked about generation in history. Everything and always is always about millennials. In the news, you always hear about them. So people, I think, are first and foremost really excited for a new generation to shake up the workplace. You know, a lot of times millennials get the bad rap for being entitled. And that's something that, you know, hopefully we're going to see a shift with Gen Zers. We were raised to to believe and that we were taught that, you know, there's 73 million Gen Zers that you have to be loyal to your company. And you're going to have to start at the bottom and work your way up. You're entering the workforce. Seniority does matter. You can't just jump right to the top. So Gen Zers compared to millennials are definitely going to be a little bit more of a realistic generation, 
we're a little bit more loyal. And then another big difference is that we were raised to be a lot more competitive. At a young age, millennials were told that if they work together and they try their hardest with their peers, you know, they're going to be a winner. Everything's going to be okay. Gen Xers told their Gen Z kids, you know, that there's a lot more Gen Zers and you're going to have to work to be a winner. So when we get to the workforce, we're not going to naturally be as collaborative. We're going to want to have our own independent space to work. And eventually we will collaborate, but we will be a lot more self-focused and self-driven. So you guys don't like working in open architecture spaces. You like your own offices. You like your own space. That's that's pretty a really interesting contrast uh, to millennials because, as you guys said, they're more about groupthink and coming together and collaborating. Yep. And and I think that is a big difference. Hey, David, now you talked about the landscape of a generation who grew up in a post 9-11 recession environment as being more realistic. Can you talk to my listeners about what this realism is, as well as some of the other standout traits of this generation? Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of things. We know every young generation has got the advantage of seeing those that come before them. So I think they saw a lot of millennials enter the workforce believing anything was possible, expecting to climb the ladder at a very fast rate, and that backfired. And on top of it, you know, they watch a lot of millennials saddled with so much college debt. So mm-hmm. now you have a generation entering college, for example, saying, you know, if I'm going to spend this money, then I better, you know, make sure that I'm, it's applying to my future. Uh, things like four-year liberal arts degrees are being called into question. As interesting as Greek civilization or art history is, it's very interesting and important for a generation spending all this money, it's harder for them to see the relevance for their future. So it's a struggle. Um, so they just have got a much more pragmatic attitude towards their education. And then the job as well, saying, you know, I know it's going to be tough. I know I'm going to have to start at the bottom. I'm willing to pay dues. And so this realistic, pragmatic attitude not only does cause some challenges in the college and university space, but now we'll begin to as well in the workplace if we don't harness it. I can see that happening, actually. I have a couple of friends in Chicago who are doing these alternative schools for the Gen Z. And um, a young gentleman who I interviewed for one of my shows did a book, and it's just amazing what he's doing. And then placing the Gen Zers right into the work environment as a result of this, what I call, hands-on kind of environment. Now, uh, Jonah, how do you see the ambitions of Gen Z changing the landscape of traditional high school to four-year college format? And what other paths do you see them considering besides that format? You know, the, the whole notion of Gen Z in college, as we talk about a lot of times, what's so exciting about this dialogue is that for majority of industries, we have an opportunity to be opportunity, excuse me, to be proactive instead of reactive when adapting to Gen Z. Uh, we are ex- exiting college for the first year, and we'll be entering the workforce for the first time this year. And you know, uh, with the Gen Z attitude, like my dad mentioned, it's going to be hard to convince us that college is important. With it being so expensive, if we have this vision of what we want our career to be, and we think we can go off and do that on our own, we have no problem in trying. Another thing that our parents uh, raise us to believe is that not to fear failure. We're, we're more scared of the opportunity of not trying than fearing failure. So we're, we're willing to give unique situations a chance and go out on risk if we believe we could be successful. Yeah, you guys are definitely risk takers. And I think that that's a good thing. 
because in our changing landscape environment of business, we need innovators, we need disruptors, and we need people that are willing to take some risks. Um, so, uh, David, what new sections of business and technology do you expect that Gen Z will most likely pioneer? What parts of technology and business? Uh-huh. Um, well, just technology you know, and business that you speak about in the book. What sections of that do you expect that this generation is going to actually be pioneering? Well, I think in general, you know, there's a big difference we have is where the rest of us have been more the digital pioneers. They're digital natives. So there's a big difference. So they're just going to assume that for everything we do, that there's some technological or digital equivalent. So they're going to be really great at assessing what technology to use, how to use it, how to make it efficient, what's too much, what's too little. They're going to be really great at streamlining a lot of it. And if you think about it, it really does go against the norm. Typically, when a workplace assesses something, it's those who have been around the longest that do the assessing. Well, this is the first time in history where the youngest generation really is the authority figure on something that's so important to business. So they're going to be the ones you want at the table to help assess and analyze all technology. Um, but I think what they're also going to do is they're going to help teach the rest of us how to use it like they always have. And I think the mistake to make, though, is to assume it's always going to be technology. We're always so impressed with Gen Z that it isn't just about technology, that they really are interested in face-to-face -face communication. One of my favorite findings from our national study was that 82% of Gen Z said their preferred mode of communication is face-to-face. So I think we have to be careful that we don't assume, oh, Gen Z, technology, send them a text, send them an email. That's mm -hmm. how they communicate best. They are hungry to look their leaders in the eye and have authentic conversations. It's interesting uh, that you say that because I think most of the listeners out there probably believe that's the case, David, and, and you're saying quite to the contrary. And with that, Jonah, uh, I happened to see a show last night. I didn't know if either of you guys saw it, 60 Minutes about how these big companies like Google and Facebook and so on are actually training us around our electronical devices. Um, there's very few people that are speaking out about it uh, in this world today, but they're actually trying to get us addicted to those particular advice devices um, so that we will get a chain of notifications in Facebook that somebody liked us or so on. What is it that you think that Gen Z would like to see happen with relation to the face of big technology using this to actually try and sell us stuff? Uh, you know, I think that, you know, I think what we're going to find is the Gen Z's will be very savvy to when, tech, when they're being used. They're mm -hmm. very savvy to, you know, wow, I'm being leveraged here. I, I, I think they're going to be able to read through a lot of it. You know, I think they definitely will see that there's a place for it because what they have seen, they've grown up in the shared economy. They've seen suddenly, you know, I can find a place to stay through Airbnb and technology. I can hop into a car a lot quicker through Uber. I can borrow a tool from my neighbor. I mean, there's just, they really have seen technology streamline and make things easier. Yet if, they're there so is, savvy. if there is a negative consequence to that at all, uh, Jonah, what would that negative consequence be yeah. as far as you see it? Well, I think just like the, our acceptance of technology, oftentimes, sometimes I believe that Gen Z could be too immersed from technology. and We need to know when the time to put it away is. Mm -hmm. So just because we are so immersed in all these things like Uber and TaskRabbit and Airbnb, 
and all these apps that are available at our fingertips, sometimes technology isn't the answer, and we need to just go back to more classical ways of communication. I think that's not something that's bad necessarily. It's just something that Gen Zers across the board will need to be mentored on. It's really funny. We were talking about this just the other day, Jonah, that uh, I have kids that are older than you, obviously, and I'm a little older than your dad because I would probably be considered a boomer. But, you know, you know, you look at Hallmark cards and American Greetings, those guys are going out of business because you guys don't send birthday cards anymore. <laughs> so I just thought it was kind of funny. We we're making a comment. So do you, you know, can I, let me just touch on that for a second because yeah. it's very interesting. I think there's area for us to mentor Gen Z. It's amazing. I will have Jonah do a handwritten thank you note mm-hmm. to our clients afterwards. And at first, oh my God, it was so torturous. I can't believe I'm writing this dad every time. But then Jonah started to get thank you notes for his handwritten notes. Right. And it just says to me how much people are caught off guard when the younger generation does take time for a little bit more traditional communication. And I think Jonah would be the first to admit that's been a great mentoring moment for him and that he does now look for ways to embrace more traditional communication. So, Jonah, are you used to putting 48.6 cent stamps on things and sending them out? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 I am not. <laughs> Uh, but I thought we'd have a little bit of fun with that question anyway. So look, uh, David, do you, or, or say Jonah, do you foresee any communication breakdowns in the future workplace between this fast paced Gen Zers and the Gen X and millennial bosses? Let's just talk about bosses. Yeah. I mean, first and foremost with communication, um, I'm not sure we touched on this, but many people just assume, like I, yeah, my dad did mention that many people just assume the only way we like to communicate is through uh, technology platforms because we always are so immersed in them. But in our national study, 82% of Gen Zers said that they prefer face-to-face communication, which means that we're, leaders are going to have to realize that we do want to talk to you. And sometimes if you can come over to our desk and engage with us, that is the better option. Great. It, and and I I totally concur with you. And on that line, Jonah, how can the Gen Z get fully equipped themselves for this highly competitive workforce uh, that they're about ready to enter? What do you think as a 17-year-old still in high school that's going to help people uh, prepare themselves for this crazy workforce that we've got out here? Right. So I think... From a Gen Zer to another Gen Zer, you have to acknowledge that the workplace is a two-way street. In no way are we going to come into the workplace and everything is going to go our way. Yes, we like to be more private, but that doesn't mean we're not going to have to collaborate. Uh, we like our own offices, but sometimes you might have to share it. So as much as people need to adapt to us entering the workforce, us as Gen Zers are going to have to realize that rules are rules and things are sometimes the way they are because that's the best way to do it. And we're going to have to adapt to ways, adapt to certain ways things are done in the workplace. So I would just say... Enter the workplace with an open mind, open attitude, and hopefully you can change some things for better and know that some things are the way they are for a reason. Well, at least your generation hopefully is pliable. And I think that's the key because both the boomers, the millennials, the Xers, and the Zers all have to get along in today's world in the same environment. And I think we have to look like your dad's been teaching people all along. Uh, really how to work together effectively. And with that, David, you talk about the concept of FOMO, which is the fear of missing out. While motivation and uh, consistently burning drive are exceptional traits, do you see any potential downsides to a generation 
that really never stops. 100%. That's a very big concern I have about this generation. Um, look, quickly, the upside is I do think they're going to help us streamline a lot of our processes. We hear in all of our research and focus groups that Gen Z thinks we overthink things. And I do think you know, their FOMO is going to get us to try new things and step outside our comfort zone, and that's great. However, you know, they can't be so quick to respond. As we all know, sometimes the best ideas need to ruminate for 24 hours. You need to sit with it, you know, to have a little idea to think about something. Rather, it shouldn't just be about getting it done, that we want their opinion, their process, their input. And if you're always worried that you're missing out, sometimes they won't take the time necessary to think it through, to get opinions. And so as leaders, when we give an assignment, I think one thing we need to do is be very clear with them that part of what they're being, you know, graded on or even watched is how do you process? How do you think? This isn't a race. Not everything's a hurry to get it done. And if we truly do have a little extra time, we're going to have to let them know that we've got a little extra time here because it'll be their immediate thought is I have to get it done super fast because that's just how they're wired when it comes to FOMO. Um, and the other thing that I think we have to be careful of is there's a big difference between a fad and a trend. You know, a fad is something that can come and go, and if we all get really excited, hey, the Gen Zers in the company say we need to do A, B, and C, and we put all these resources to it. We end up spending money for just a fad that came and went. That could cost us a lot of money, as opposed to really working together to follow something that's showing up more than just once and is definitely a true trend that we should be tracing and, if anything, investing in. Yeah, and, and I think, like you said, slowing down and critical thinking skills are all part of what it is and rewiring the synapses of the brain to kind of think that. I think that the um, these devices that we have, while they may not want being 100% at fault for this, it has sped up the process of everything, including for every generation. Right. But to actually sit and think critically and have, uh, as your dad said, uh, Jonah, to, to sit and think something through and use critical thinking cells. I wouldn't say it's a lost art, but it's certainly an art that's, um, that has said, oh, no, we got to have an answer instantly. No, we don't have to have an answer instantly. We want to think through the options. And for this last question is for both of you. Uh, let's start with you, Jonah. Your book okay. poses the important question, will it ever be good enough? Will the Gen Zers ever be truly fulfilled? Wow. Well, that's a, that's a question. I, you know, I think Gen Z is just, I think people are excited. Like I mentioned at the very beginning, Gen Z is going to be a very exciting generation to enter the workforce. We're drastically different than millennials. And when people realize that, that our working habits are different, we're not better or worse. We are just different. We're going to bring new things to the table. I think we will be a truly fulfilled generation, and I think we will do amazing things in the world, uh, in the workplace, and beyond. So I think we are going to be a very powerful generation. Well, the fact that you're over in Ecuador and other countries working to make this world a better place, kudos to you. I think Thank slowing so down some and spending the time to do philanthropic work uh, at, in all levels of, of these generations is so important. And now we switch to you, Dad, David. Um, from your perspective, as somebody who's been speaking about this, watching all these generations merge, try and work together, have become an expert, um, will this generation ever be truly fulfilled? Um, yes, I think they are. I'll tell you why. A couple of reasons. One is, look, I think they'll constantly be tempted by everything else going around them. 
you know, they're going to log on to their social media feed, see that someone got a new job. Wow, that looks cool. I've always been interested in that company. I think they're going to be tempted, but that there's so many resources now to fulfill them that doesn't have to be all or nothing. It used to be you got a job and you're in that job and anything else maybe you'd want to do, but you've got to keep the security of the job. They don't see it as an either or. They'll get a job, but they're going to have a lot of what we call side hustles going on whether it be a hobby they're pursuing, whether it be a business they're pursuing on the side, clubs they're involved in, I think they're going to get a lot of their satisfaction from more than one place, where a lot of the previous generations put a lot of their stock in their job and their career. It's going to be one of many places that Gen Z sort of puts their stock in, and the nice thing is there's a lot more options for them today. So I think they will be fulfilled. I really do. I thought it was interesting that you guys said on your little press release here, um, I don't know where that came from exactly. The Gen Zers, you thought, would be willing to be at one job for 10 years. Did I read that right? Absolutely. 61% said they'd be willing to stay for 10 or more years. Now, a couple of things. One is that doesn't mean just because they have a job, they're happy to have a job like we saw with traditionalists. You know, what we're going to see with this generation, they definitely are going to have the sense of, oh, I'm lucky to have this job compared to a lot of millennials who came across as though the job was lucky to have them. So they're going to feel very lucky to have the job because of the recession. But they're also, because of FOMO and their desire for hyper-customization, going to want careers that are moving fast or multiple careers at the same time and ones that they could put their own stamp on. So all the Gen Z criteria is there, but if we can meet them where they're at and have those dialogues, they are willing to stay. So that could be shocking. But you've got to keep in mind, for Gen Z entering the workplace right now, they know that life expectancy is now pushing towards 100 so they know they're going to be working for a lot longer than, say, 60, 65 years old. They're going to be working for a long time. So while 10 years does seem like a long time, it's not a lifetime to a generation that sees themselves working for decades. Well, with that being said, David, I hope that they're not trying to work to 100 so that they make up for all the screw-ups uh, from previous generations just so they can pay in taxes into the system. But the reality is, that kind of seems to be the way it is. So, Jonah, uh, pace yourself. <laughs> I will. I definitely yeah. will. Pace yourself. Well, we've been on today with a father and son team, David Stillman and Jonah Stillman. Uh, they've written a book called Gen Z at Work, How the Next Generation is Transforming the Workplace. You can catch these guys at genzguru.com. You can also see them at twitter.com forward slash Gen Z Guru and facebook.com Gen Z Guru. Um, you guys have any parting words for our listening audience? Yeah, I do. You know, on the whole, for generations, when we get into the dialogue, and I love listeners who are passionate about it, too quickly the goal of the conversation becomes trying to figure out who's right or wrong, which generation's better, which generation's worse you will never get an answer to that dialogue. Instead, it's like, wow, how are we different? Why did you get that way? Where can I anticipate we're going to click and clash? That's a healthy way to have this dialogue, not around better or worse, right or wrong, just how we're different and where we're going to click and we're going to clash. Those are the leaders I see doing the best job bridging generation gaps, and especially getting to know Gen Z. Jonah, any last words? Uh, you know, on a different kind of same note, just give us a chance. Every generation brings something else to the workplace, and I think we will bring a lot of awesome things. So uh, let us you know, give us a chance and have open minds with us. Well, thank you both for being on uh, Inside Personal Growth and sharing with our listeners 
your insight and your wisdom from two different generational viewpoints about how this workplace is going to transform 